0: And for those of you who are visiting with us, you need to know that we are in a series here called Route 66. And what we're talking about is the main verse from each of the 66 books of the Bible. We have arrived at a really interesting moment here. We started into the, 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 uh, the Minor Prophets last week, I think it was. Hosea, Joel, are the first two of the twelve minor prophets. There are twelve minor prophets. There are thirty-nine books of the Old Testament, twenty-seven in the New, and there are twenty-seven in the old up to the until the add the twelve minor prophets. I only call them minor not because they their message isn't important, but because they don't have a big message. It's not a thick message, it's not a lengthy message, it's not uh, anything like that. It's usually just a few short things that they taught us in, the, in there. But each of them have a principal verse. And I'm going to share that principal verse with you from Amos today. We start with the book of Amos. Mile marker number 30. We did 27, 28, and 29 last time. We're at mile marker 30. 30. I will be here next Sunday as well. And then Roxanne will be here the following Sunday. Our, one of our prophets that is in our fellowship of churches. We have about 20 churches involved or more involved in a fellowship called the Five Conference. And we meet here, we used to meet here twice a year, but we did not having a fall session this time. But we will be back in March with our spring convention here. And I want you all to be prepared for that because it's an awesome time. How many, how many of you have ever been in any of those meetings? Were, were they awesome or what? Yeah. We've got some fine preachers amongst us. Some of them prophets, some of them apostles, some of them pastors and teachers and evangelists. It's a really amazing group. Most of whom God has given me privilege to be their father in faith and oversight for many years. It's one of the reasons why I can't be here to be the pastor of this church, really. It's why Miss Ann pastors the church. Amen. Because I've got a lot to do. And, uh, but I love this church. One day soon, I'm going to be able to be here all the time. Amen. Amen. But listen, she'll still be the pastor. <laughs> she'll still be in charge. Amen. Amos chapter 9, verse 11. Amos nine one one. one one Milepost number 30. The most important verse in the book of Amos is this. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof And I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. This is an interesting moment. It's going to take me a little while to get through this milepost. We may not even get get away from this milepost today because of the importance of this verse of Scripture. This verse is not found in the major prophets. not found in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, or Daniel. It's not found any place else in the Old Testament. Right here is the only place, there's a mention of David's tabernacle being rebuilt. The only place right here that David's tabernacle is coming back. Well, as you know, there were three authorized forms of worship. How many of you have been in my Wednesday night Bible study? I taught on this several times. But most of you haven't been there, so let's talk about it. Those of you who've, who've already seen all this teaching, please bear with us. There are three authorized forms of worship in the Old Testament. My Wednesday night crowd, tell me. What was the first one? The Tabernacle of Moses. What was the last one? The Temple of Solomon. What was the one in between? The Tabernacle of David. And he says the tabernacle of David, it went away because Solomon's temple was built. That means that there was something coming after David's tabernacle, but it had to be restored. All of that was for a picture for you and me, for you and I to know where we are going. All of the Old Testament points to the New. But the thing is, Hardly anybody knew anything about Gentiles coming in by faith. Nobody really got it. They heard it. They heard God say it, but they didn't know what it meant. They, didn't, they could not get around the idea that the law was forever. The law of God through Moses was forever, because that's what He said it was. "This shall be this law shall be to you, for you to keep throughout your generations forever," he said, several times throughout the Old Testament. This law you shall keep throughout your generations forever, forever, forever. So they didn't understand how how this was going to happen, that Gentiles would come in. When they they said Gentiles, they just thought, well, that must be talking about Jews that are scattered throughout the Gentile world. That's how they interpreted it. They didn't know anything about, even in Acts chapter 1 and 8, where it says, put that up there. If you can, Acts 1 and 8. Oh that's, oh, that's well done. Look at that. you got smart people in that booth back there. <laughs> Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is on the 40th day before Jesus ascended back to heaven. After, 40, after his resurrection, he stayed here 40 days talking to his disciples. This is about day 40. And ten days later, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. They received this power. But they did not know that what he said there meant go to the Gentiles. They didn't translate it that way. Going to the uttermost parts of the earth, that just meant go find all the Jews that that are scattered everywhere. That's what they thought it meant. But for ten years from this point, they never preached to Gentiles at all. Who did they not preach to? They didn't preach to anybody like you. Do you have anybody of Jewish descent in the building today? We've got one. Anybody else? No. The Jews represent two-tenths of one percent of the world's population. That's a tiny little piece, by the way. They represent two-tenths of 1% of the world's population. The rest is us. And salvation was not for us. The new covenant was not for us originally. God made this covenant with Israel. And that's all they thought about. Until one day, God found a man named Cornelius... A man named Cornelius who started praying to the, to the true God, the one God, the God of the Jews, and giving alms and doing all he needed to do just to worship God. And the Bible says he built a memorial, went to heaven. And if you look up the word memorial in the Greek, it means a statue of some kind. Wow, how does that happen? You know, there are buildings in heaven yeah, there's supposed to be mansions up there, right? right. Amen. Yes. Miss Ann's is there. <laughs> you got one in the country, one in the city? You got two? <laughs> one in the mountains. I kind of see it like this. The, the, this Gentile monument was being built in heaven, and the angels are flying around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. We get this picture in, in the book of Re- Revelation. And I see an angel flying by there and clang, hits his wing on something. What is that? What is that weird looking statue here? Lord, somebody's building a statue that doesn't belong in heaven. Yeah, I know. God said, The prayers of this Gentile have come up before me as a memorial. Wow. Do you had to put it right in my flight pattern. Well, it's there. Didn't know where else to put it. We didn't really have a spot for it. did not belong here. But here's a guy who's operating in faith. And God will change heaven for those who operate in faith. Amen. Yes, he will. Amen. He'll change anything for people of faith. So God said, I want I to bring this guy in. When I bring him in, I'm going to open the door to everybody. I believe what happened was Jesus looked at the Father right then. Just like it says in Psalm 2. The Father says to Jesus, Ask of me, and I will give you the heathen as your inheritance. I believe that was the moment Jesus said, Father, give me the heathen for my inheritance. And he dispatched an angel to go talk to Cornelius, this Gentile Roman. Roman, the worst kind of Gentile, Roman. To a Jew The worst kind of Gentile was a Roman. You need to know that. They despised the Romans. That's why they hated Herod so much. The Jews hated Herod because he was a Jew that sold out to the Roman Empire. They hated him for that. That's why he built them the temple. The the, the rebuilding of Herod's temple was the remake of Solomon's temple to, to appease them. He did that purely to appease the Jews. About 27 to 37 B.C., he joined up with a guy named Mark Antony. Y'all heard of Mark Antony? Mark Antony? And, and won, won uh, Jerusalem back for the sake of the Roman emperor from the last vestiges of the Greek empire named the Seleucids. I know, you, I know I've way overestimated your interest in all that, but <laughs> that stuff's interesting to me he uh, did that and got, got named King of Israel. Right. That's why when he heard about a baby being born in Bethlehem that the, that the prophets called the King of Israel, he went after him because he had paid a high price to be the King of Israel. And the Jews despised him. Rightly so, I, th- I say, because they hated Rome. They hated Rome. They hated Rome. Then... God needs a special emissary now, since he opened the door to Cornelius. Now he needs somebody to go talk to these Gentiles. All he trained Peter for was to to preach to Jews. All he had trained John for was to preach to Jews. All he had trained James for was to preach to Jews. All he had trained Bartholomew for, Andrew for, Judah for, all of them, all 12 of them, and they had only been trained to preach the gospel of the kingdom to Jews. Right. Is he going to retrain them now, That, that 10 years after his res- resurrection? No. Not going to retrain them now. He's going to have to raise up somebody else for the Gentiles. So raise raised up a guy named Saul of Tarsus. Now, the only person the Jews hated worse than the Romans was Saul of Tarsus. God is not into a personality, uh, uh, what do you call it, contests. He doesn't care who you like or who you don't like. He's going to save who he wants to, and he's going to raise up and anoint who he wants to. Amen. Amen. Your friends and family wonder why you're like you are. Well, because God chooses who he wants to choose. God picked the most despicable guy he could find (laughs) to raise up to be an emissary, the greatest emissary the world has ever seen for the gospel of Christ at the time. A guy named Saul from Tarsus. Tarsus was a Roman city. So Saul was a Roman citizen. Saul, he said, I was free born. I was born a Roman. Ugh. A Jew born a Roman citizen. Ugh. There are worse things, but not many. And Jesus picks this guy to be the preacher for the Romans, for the Gentiles. Jesus picks this guy, who the Jews already hate. The Christians especially hate him. They despise him. They want to kill him. They won't, I said the Christian Jews won't rid of Saul. They tried to kill him in Acts chapter 21. They didn't like him at all. And when they found out what his mission was going to be to go preach to Gentiles, ugh! Ugh, they couldn't understand that. We hate this guy, God, and now you're going to send him to the people we hate the most to try to bring them into our covenant? Ugh! You understand me? You understand me? It'd be like you Okies rooting for the Longhorns next week. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. I was watching that game last night and I was thinking about Greg and Donna being there. My, my two sons were there. They like to lost it. TCU used to stand for Texas Christian University. Now it's more like Texas Contraband University. <laughs> Amen. And we beat them because we were better. Pardon me, I get off on football and my wine goes. But your loyalties are with what you love. And the Jews loved, the Jews loved their law. They loved Jerusalem. They loved their tradition. They couldn't stand the thought of somebody coming along who wasn't in love with their traditions and their law like they were. Then comes Saul of Tarsus. Gets born again. Meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and starts preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. You know what what he's telling Gentiles? He's telling Gentiles exactly what Peter had told Cornelius when Cornelius went to Peter's house. Uh, when Peter went to Cornelius' house, I mean. Peter says in Acts chapter 15, verse. let's turn there, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, I want to read it. First uh, Acts chapter 15, sorry. Acts 15. This is the most important moment, maybe, in the book of Acts, except for Acts 2, 4, 5, and 6. Acts 2 is really important. Acts 15 is really important. It says, and the the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. Now, what matter was it? The matter they're talking about is that the the Jews had gone to Antioch and told the the believing Gentiles that you cannot be saved. We will accept you like you are right now. But if you're going to stay saved, you've got to start keeping the law and be circumcised. Doesn't that sound like a lot of churches you've been to? Come get saved by grace. Jesus loves you. He'll take you like you are. And two days later, you've got to start growing stuff out and cutting stuff, cutting stuff off. Good word. Two days later, you've got to start looking like, they're, like them. In my day, when I was younger, the churches liked to tell women they couldn't wear makeup. I said, Have you lost your mind? Have you seen my mama without her makeup? You lost your mind. You don't want her in this church without makeup on. She'll scare off the visitors. (laughs) I'm exaggerating a little bit. but There's always a bait and switch like a dishonest car salesman. You hear me? The Bible does not talk like that. God says you stay in the same way you get in. By grace yes. through faith. Yes. If you got in by faith, you stay in by faith. Amen. 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 There's no, no, no other thing to do. And that was what Paul was preaching. And these Jewish legalists did not like it. They're called Pharisees. They were Pharisees who were saved. I told my students recently, I said, that's sort of like a Christian hooker, isn't it? I, mean, I don't get that. <laughs> Saved Pharisees just don't go together in my mind. Not like Christian Hooker. That just doesn't, doesn't go together. You hear what I'm saying? But they were. They were Pharisees and they were saved. Wow. Yeah, makes me shudder. The Bible says they were saved, it called them believers. They love the law. And they sent emissaries to Antioch and the Gentiles are in, but they're going to stay in. They've got to be circumcised or they cannot be saved. So they came down to consider this matter. Verse 7. They came to Jerusalem. And when there had been much disputing, now listen to you Gentiles, you don't know what disputing about the Bible is until you get a room full of Jews. Get in a room full of Jews discussing the Bible and as much disputing. You've never heard anything like it in your life. Death threats every other second. I'm telling you, they are serious about their Bible. Disputing, Peter rose up and said among them, said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago, God, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and repent. Oh, I read it wrong, didn't I? What did he say they're supposed to do? Believe. believe. Why did he say repent? That's what he told the Jews. That's what he told the Jews to do. He didn't tell the Jews to believe. He told them to repent. Why did he say believe, not, not repent? What's wrong with you, Peter? Did you forget the gospel? No. This is what the Holy Ghost told him to say. That's what the Holy Ghost told him. And he knew, he knew, he knew. Let me tell you why. Next verse. And God which knows the hearts bore them witness giving them the Holy Ghost as he did unto us. Bore them witness witness of what? What does that mean? He was bearing witness that the Gentiles had the same forgiveness we had and proved it by giving them the Holy Ghost. Read the next verse and put no difference between them and us, us and them, purifying their hearts by repentance. No. By baptism. No. By doing everything, by keeping the law. No. By faith. Amen. What went on in their hearts was they heard that the, the, the name of Jesus was powerful enough to say Amen. all by itself when they heard that, their hearts became pure. The very moment they heard that. Why can Peter be so sure? How can he be so sure about this moment? Their hearts are purified by what they heard about faith. Let's turn there. Acts chapter 10 and verse 43. I'm helping somebody today. I'm helping some of you today. to Understand that what you have, you got by the free grace of God. This is what Paul meant when he kept teaching us over and over. We are saved by grace through faith. Saved by grace through faith. Tell two people, you are saved by grace. grace. Tell somebody else, you are saved by grace. Through faith. Now listen to this. Here is Peter's sermon to the Gentiles. Here is the pivotal, pivotal moment. The last verse of his sermon. He says, to him, give all the prophets witness that whoever believes on his name, whosoever believeth in him through his name shall receive the remission of sins. Stop right there. This is how he knew that it was a faith thing. That's how he brought it into our Christian doctrine in the first council of the church in Acts chapter 15 to decide how is a person made righteous and how do they keep that righteousness? He's telling us it's purely by faith because miracles happen when faith is on the scene. The miracle of transformation is not about how you perform. It's about what you believe. And listen to this. While Peter yet spoke those words. What words? Believe on Jesus. What words? Believe on Jesus' name that He has authority to take away your sins. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Woo! Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me me slow this down. (laughs) Read the next verse. Verse 45. For they heard them, what? And they that were of the circumcision which believed were astonished. Anybody here done any acting in school or anything? Miss Annie, come up here. Come up here, Casey and Parrish. Come up here. Who? Andy? <laughs> Did you raise your hand, Christina? Come up here. Come up here. Come on, son. Come on, Kenny. I want you to stand right here. Andy, you've been, you didn't do any acting. I thought he was kidding. Far from it. I want you all to show me your best astonished. Show me your best astonished. You can talk. You don't have to mime. You can say things. Holy mackerel. Holy mackerel. They look drunk. Yeah. This is astonished. This is how they were acting. This is how they were acting. They were astonished. They weren't going... Hmm wonder what this meant. That's not astonished. That's contemplative. They were astonished. They were going, I can't believe it. I can't believe what I just saw. Can you believe this? Can they really be saved? How is this happening? That's what they were saying. All right, thank you all very much. Astonished. And you know what Peter's thinking? He heard them speak in tongues. He's thinking, what did I just say? I've got to remember that. What was it I just said that made that happen? I've got to remember that. What was it I just said? I'm a preacher. I know what works. And you remember what works. Yeah. Amen. I know Peter went over his sermon. He must have gone over and over in his mind saying, now what, what did I say? I said, whoever believes on Jesus Receives the remission of sins. And while I was still speaking that word right there, the Holy Ghost fell on all those who heard that word. The Holy Ghost fell on all them who heard me say that. I'm going to start saying that more. I'm going to start saying that more. That's when the New Testament doctrine was fulfilled. Came to fruition. It really isn't about repentance, it's about faith. For, For the Gentile world, it's all about faith. Now listen to me. Go to Acts chapter 11... And let's read, starting with verse 14. Acts chapter 11. Peter gets back to Jerusalem. Is it okay if we study the context of this this event? Talking about the Tabernacle of David, we're going to get there. Context of this event. Okay. It says here that the angel came to Cornelius, and Peter's retelling the story, and here's what the angel told Cornelius. Let's back up to verse 13 so we give you a little context. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house which stood and said unto him, this is talking about Cornelius, send men to Joppa for, for, and call for Simon whose surname is Peter. Verse 14. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou, shalt, thou and all thy house shall be saved. Amen. Words saved them. The words, the gospel saved them. The gospel saved you too. You may think you saved yourself, but the gospel is what saved you because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And listen to me, the gospel is not about how you perform. The gospel is all about what Jesus did, what Jesus did for us. I've heard so much legalistic crap, I'm so sick of it. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? Look at the next thing. Don't put legalistic crap up there on the board, please. I don't want all my words in print. Sorry. I shouldn't say that in front of the children. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. He heard them speak in tongues. Next verse. And then remembered by the word of the Lord how that he said, John indeed baptized with water. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And listen to this. It all comes together right there. The baptism in the Holy Ghost is a doctrine of the church. Because Jesus said it. The Apostle Peter made it, brought Jesus' words into New Testament doctrine. Amen. He John the Baptist first said it. Jesus quoted John the Baptist, sort of, and Peter quoted to Jesus. This is Old Testament, the Lord Jesus, and New Testament. All talking about a baptism in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody say Amen. Amen. It is your right to have as a child of God. Look at this. For as much then as God gave unto them the like gift as He did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I, what was I that I could withstand God? Now verse 18. And when they, the Jews, back in Jerusalem, heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles not commanded, not demanded, not preached them into repentance, but granted repentance unto life. Repentance means is the Greek word, metanoia means to change the mind. How did they repent? By believing. They just believed. And God gave them the change of mind. They didn't have to change their mind. They just believed from the heart. And God changed their mind. God will change your mind if you'll believe from your heart. I'm going to try this out over here. God will change your mind if you'll believe from your heart. Amen. Amen. The the Republicans believe it over here on the right side of the auditorium. Y'all want another chance? If you believe from the heart, God will change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's an awesome thing. Is. Repentance is not something you do. Repentance, repentance is a gift from God for you. Right. If you'll stay in faith, you repent all the time. Yeah. I do every day. And I almost never say I'm sorry. I almost never have to. I almost never have to say I'm sorry. Because my my mind is changing every day that I walk by faith. You walk by faith, you walk by faith, you walk by faith. And words are the key to releasing faith for your own deliverance. That's what he said. He shall tell thee words whereby you shall be saved. You ought to stand to your feet and praise God, or at least lift your hands and praise him a little while. Back to chapter 15. Let's read on. Down to about... Down to about uh, what what verse? Start with verse 9. Acts 15, 9. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Verse 10. Now therefore, why tempt God? Oh... Oh, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Wait a minute. You mean putting the law on a Gentile? What does he call that? Tempting God. I didn't write it. I just found it. Willing to tell you about it. You get legalistic, God says you're tempting Him. Yeah. Why do we tempt God with all our legalistic garbage? Good word. Thank you. Somebody give her a raise. <laughs> Amen. Now, therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the disciples? Verse, verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they are. What? Wow. Peter's not saying they need to get saved like we did. He said, in fact, we really are going to get saved the way they did. Yeah. <laughs> Peter's un- understanding just unfolded. Yeah. His understanding of the true gospel unfolded right before his eyes. Wow. Read on. Stay with me. Then all the multitude kept silent and gave attendance to Barnabas and Paul, the, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles. Next. And after they held their peace, James, the pastor of the church, this is not, this is not the James of Peter, James, and John, this is James, the Lord's brother, remember uh, that James, that first James, John's brother was beheaded, was killed by Herod uh, in Acts chapter 12. As they held their peace in James, the Lord's brother, answered saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon, Simeon, Peter, hath declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Listen to this. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. What prophets? Amos. Amos 9-11. We just read it. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of David is about you, brothers, my, my brothers and sisters. You are the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Look, next verse. That the residue, the remaining of men, might seek after the Lord. And all the Gentiles, say, I'm a Gentile, upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. The only mention, the only mention of the tabernacle of David in the New Testament is right there. The only mention of it in the, in the Old Testament, the, 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 re, the re, return of it, the rebuilding of it is in Amos 9-11. This is real specific about you. The tabernacle of David is a reference to the New Testament Gentile church that hardly anybody knew anything about until the Apostle Paul came along. The world's greatest Christian. In no doubt, no, no question who was the greatest Christian that ever, ever lived was the Apostle Paul. Oh, Saul of Tarsus. The evil... Christian killing, Christian hating, blasphemous Saul of Tarsus. (laughs) (laughs) To me, he was worse than the Washington Redskins. (laughs) 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 He was awful. Have my cowboy tie on today, got blue stars, right They need the help. So what do we have? We have the tabernacle of, what if the tabernacle of David was opened in Acts chapter 10, what was in place before that? The tabernacle of Moses. In the new covenant, even. The old covenant was a picture of the new, then all through Jesus' ministry. The tabernacle of Moses was in place. And then what follows the tabernacle of Moses was David's tabernacle. And we've been living in the days of David's tabernacle and the Gentile church for 2,000 years. But one day soon, one day, one day that's, that door is going to be closed. And there will be a rebuilding of the Temple of Solomon on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And that's when it's all going to wind up. It's all getting close to the end. Then, when they rebuild rebuild that temple, they start they start to rebuild that temple. Lift up your head; your redemption draweth nigh. God's not going to make you start going back to uh, to sacrifices. He's just got one option now to consummate His deal with you. We call it the Rapture of the Church. Hallelujah! You may not be thinking you're leaving, but I'm leaving. Holler won't be here that day. I'll be gone. If you're not planning on going, get a hold of my my my, my boot and go with me. I, I'll take you. I kind of want to go feet first, with my hat, with my with my hand around some devil's throat, punching his lights out. Make him drag me up feet first. Amen. 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 Tabernacle of Moses, tabernacle of David, and temple of Solomon. This is the way it's going to happen for the end time. But for these days, the tabernacle of David is open to you. Yes. Tabernacle of David, that means you come in without the works of the law. In the tabernacle of David, it didn't have three tiers, it just had one tent, And the Ark of the Covenant was right out in the middle of it. It suspended all the laws. And the least to the greatest came right into the very presence of God without any, without any edicts, without any keeping of the law. They came in and they danced. They danced around the, the Ark of the Covenant. The least to the greatest. All God's people could know the Lord. Hebrews chapter 8, verses, verse 8, let's start with verse 8. Hebrews 8, 8 says, For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. And everybody said, new covenant. So that's that's my covenant. With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. He made it with them, but it's ours Now. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they continue not in my covenant, I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Verse next. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Amen. The guy that got saved last week in this church knows Jesus just as well as Miss Ann knows him. Amen. Now he may not know all about him like Miss Ann knows about him. You can know somebody without knowing all about them. All right, you hear me? But you can know him Today, you can know the Lord. It's your covenant to know Him. He reaches out to Gentiles today by faith. The tabernacle of David is open to every one of us here. If you're here today and you're not saved, our invitation to you is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because Christ died for your sins. You may never have heard the gospel, but you're going to hear it today. Christ died for your sins and He was buried for your sins, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures for your sins. And there's something that you need to understand. He loves you more than you can imagine. Your faith works because when you find out that God loves you, that helps you believe. I have grandkids. They believe I'm made of chocolate. <laughs> they, because when they come to my house, they don't have to ask you if they can have chocolate. They don't even ask how much. They just walk in and say, "Papa, chocolate. <laughs> and I go to the cabinet, pull out that big bowl full of chocolate, and I say, yes, my prince. <laughs> and I pour it out on the cabinet for them. And they say, how much can we have? And I said, as much as you can hold. Papa can afford any, all the chocolate you can eat. Take what you want. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Your God loves you. Yes. He's not trying to keep anything from you. He's trying to get everything to you. That's That's why He talks to us about tithes and offerings. It's not so He can take your money. It's so He can help get His supply to you. Wouldn't you rather have God's supply than your boss's supply? Get on God's program of sowing and reaping. He's trying to get things to you. If you will believe on Jesus today, He will make your life rich become part of the family of God. He's not trying to get you to serve Him. He's just trying to get you into His family. I believe service will be an an outcome of your being a part of His family. He's the greatest nepotist there is. You know what nepotism is? That's when a boss favors his family over everybody else in the company. God doesn't only favor His family over everybody else in the company. Everybody in the company is family. He won't even hire anybody It's not related to Him. He only has kinfolk working in His family, in His company, because God believes in you, believes in His own kids. He knows what's in you. He planted a seed called Jesus Christ to bring forth a harvest of great sons that we might be conformed to the image of His Son. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, that Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Father, today I thank you for your kindness and grace. And as Pastor Casey comes up here to continue this this part of our message, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to do your work, the work the work of the heart that only you can do. Help those who are in need today. Help those who are brokenhearted today to receive ministry and to be strong in faith. To hear this message that God loves them and they can believe Him. They can believe you, Father, for everything they need. I bless you in Jesus' name.